Chapter Nine of the Daredevil by Maria Thompson Davies. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Nine, or the Land of the Free. I have a desire to know if it is into the life of every person there comes one night which he is never to forget until death, and perhaps even after. I do not know but I am sure that I shall always keep the memory of the night upon which Mr. Robert Carruthers of Gray and B was introduced to the friends of his ancestors. It is my jewel that seems a drop of heart's blood that I will wear forever hid in my breast. At dinner I sat beside the Gouverneur Williamson Faulkner, and tears came into my eyes as he rose from beside me at the head of the table and said, Ladies and gentlemen, I ask you to drink to the homecoming of Robert Carruthers, my friend, your friend, and everybody his friends. And from that long table there came to me such beautiful and loving smiles over the glasses of champagne that they went to my head instead of the wine I could not even sip because of the tears in my throat. It was as that day upon the great ship when I saw fulfilled before my eyes my vow to my Capitan, the Count de Lascelles, friends for France. I sat still for a long minute, then rose to my feet with my glass in my hand. I cannot make to you a speech, but I beg that I may say to you words that were of the first taught to my infant tongue, and which I last repeated in an old convent close to the trenches in France. Then, in the rich voice that has come to me from the deep singing of my mother, I repeated very quietly, Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars, through the perilous fight, or the ramparts we watched, were so gallantly streaming, and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Through to the last words which had fallen from my lips as I had taken my father's dying kiss, or the land of the free and the home of the brave, Though I had not told them of it, I do believe there was not a heart among those kind people which did not know of that last moment in the old convent, and I could see it in tears dashed aside as they all rose and sang the last strain of the American song, with the musicians in the ante-room leading them. And as they sang that most wonderful song, Gouverneur Faulkner laid his arm across my shoulder and the comfort of its strength gave to me the courage to send back all the smiles that were sent to me, as that funny Mr. Buzz Clendenning said while they seated themselves. Gee, but Lake Lawn is the real, unhyphenated brand of old Uncle Sam, Jr. Thank God that firebrand isn't a girl, I heard my uncle, the General Robert, say to most lovely Mademoiselle Susan, in a corn-colored gown of fine line, who sat at his side. I'm so grateful to you, General, that he is a boy. I heard her say in the deepest respect and regard for my uncle, the General Robert. I don't doubt at all, madam, that you will succeed in making me wish that he had been born a girl, or not at all, was the kind reply that he made to her nicely spoken gratitude, as we laughed into each other's eyes across the table. I hope so, was the answer with which Mademoiselle Sue comforted him. And now what have you to say to me, boy, the oldest friend you've got in America, who hasn't seen you for days, that have been too long, said that Madame Whitworth, who was seated at my side. 
and as she spoke she turned one lovely bare shoulder in the direction of my uncle the general robert and the beautiful mademoiselle sue and also buzz as if to shut them away from her and me in a little space of the world just for two people i can say with truth madam that your loveliness to-night is but the flowering of my suspicions of it that morning upon the railroad train I answered her in words that were a very nice translation of what a fine young Cossack had once said to me at the Chateau de Grey of my own flowering into Rose Chiffon after an afternoon's hunting with him in corduroys. And in truth I spoke no falsehood to that Madame Whitworth, for she was of a very great beauty of body, very much of which was in view from a scantiness of bodice that I had never seen excelled in any ballroom in France. I knew you for a poet from that adorable black mop, which I see you have very nicely plastered in an exact imitation of Buzz Clendenning's red one. She answered me with a laugh. Follow me from the ballroom just after supper at midnight for a half-hour's chat alone in a place I know, and don't let either the general or the governor see you. She then said in an undertone as the governor Faulkner bent forward and began a laughing conversation with her. I will. I answered her under my breath, and I leaned back in my chair so that the Gouverneur Faulkner could more conveniently converse with her. And to that end he placed his arm across the back of my chair, and thus I sat in his embrace with my shoulder pressed into his. I do not know exactly what it was that happened in the depths of me, but suddenly the daredevil rose from those depths, and I knew herself for a very strong woman, filled to the brim with a primitive, savage cunning with which to fight the beautiful woman at my side for the honor of the man whose strong heart i could feel beating against my woman's breast strapped down under its garments of man's attire and that cunning showed me that i would have a hundredfold better opportunity to do her and her schemes against him and france to the death in my garments and character of a man than i could have had if i had come into his and her world as the beautiful young roberta marquise of gray and b then for those hated garments of a raven my heart beat so high with gratitude that i moved again forward from the arm of his excellency for fear that he might feel the tumult even through that strong towel of the bath which i had sewed above it and be in wonderment as to its cause here's to your first duel with a woman in which you use a man's weapons roberta marquise of gray and b and see that you score for him and for france and with the other men I bowed the ladies from the room. At midnight, I whispered, while I bent for a second to kiss the hand of the beautiful Madame Whitworth as she left the room. As I raised my head from the salutation, I encountered the eyes of the Gouverneur Faulkner, which looked into mine with an expression of calm question. And for a moment I let the woman rise superior to the raven attire, and I looked back into those eyes, in which I saw the mystery of the dawn star, as would have gazed Roberta, Marquise of Grand B, had she been attired in the white tulle and lace abandoned in that New York. Then I beat her back down into my heart, and gave him the smile of fealty that was his due from Robert Carruthers, his friend, along with one similar to the fine young Buzz Clendenning, who at that moment came to my side and claimed my attention. You score with Sue. I'm to be gracious, little home city host, and give up any dances your marquisity may choose with her. Sue foxes like she was born in a foxhole under a hollow log, but she tangos like the original Emperor Tang himself. So go ahead and suit yourself. Don't mind me. I'm the loving little playmate, 
that mademoiselle sue is so much of a peach that i am inclined to request the receptacle of cream that i may devour her i then made answer to him in as many of the words of enthusiasm over a nice lady as i could remember that mr george slade of detroit to have used over the skirt in louisville in the country of kentucky good bobby i'll have to go tell sue that before she is two minutes older i wouldn't want her to live five minutes longer without having heard it sue's dead sure to tell the rest of the girl bunch so i hope you have a supply where that came from for they'll all cry for em there's the governor making towards the door and mrs pat who is always waiting at the gate for him so come let me lead you to the dance with which my nice buzz and i followed the gouverneur faulkner and the other gentlemen across the hall into the long salon of the maison whose floors were polished like unto a lake of ice for dancing in terrain it is said that a nice lady fairy comes for a visit of inspection at the berceau in america it is cradle of each small human that is born and gives to it a beautiful gift if propitiations are made for it to please her to that end sweetmeats and nice presents are placed beside the small infant with which to beguile the good opinion of that fairy i would i could be that exalted person and able to visit every small infant born a female in all of the world and the gift i would give to her there in her sleep would be to one time in her life attend a ball in the raven attire of a man in the city of hayesville of america i could bestow no greater gift the hours that followed my entry into the ballroom in the maison of the exalted gouverneur faulkner were like minutes of time that dropped from a golden clock of joy i danced on feet that were strong wings to glide over a floor that was a many-colored cloud from the reflection of the soft lights and the silken skirts which ruffled over it and what was most enjoyable to me in this case i glided in whatever direction pleased me and took with me the armful of cloud which was the girl with whom i was dancing on long swoops of my own will instead of being led in my flights by another as had always before been the case with my dancing it was the most of a joy that i had ever experienced and as i so enjoyed that freedom i did not know how it was that i should have such a feeling of dissatisfaction when i beheld that beautiful madame whitworth dancing within the arms of the gouverneur williamson faulkner i blushed that i should be so unworthy with such an unreasonable fury in my heart and i looked away so that i seemed not to see the smile that he sent to me over the head of the very sweet bell girl in blue ruffles and silver slippers i was guiding past him in the trot of a fox yes sue tomlinson is as lovely as a ripe peach isn't she asked mademoiselle blue cloud of me as i lowered her almost to the floor over my arm slid her four steps to the left then trotted her two back and two forward and her tone had a very sweet demand of wistfulness in it as she looked up into my eyes and pressed very close to that protecting towel of the bath for an instant i could not think of one single bonbon of compliment to offer the lady and i wished i had sat up all of the night to talk to that mr g slade of detroit in the railroad train and had had my nice gray lady friend in the ritz carlton there with her notebook to transcribe the many pleasing things he reported himself to have said to the ladies whom he called skirts then nice lord chilsom came all the way from england into my memory to assist me in my difficulty i translated from him freely in this manner ah on me word you are a ripping good sort and i could take you on for the whole evening if you'd let me what 
I wish I could, she answered, and by that time I had thought out a nice little squeeze for her very pretty waist in its silver girdle under my arm. Then I had to put her into the arms of a nice young man named Miles Menfee to get my breath and to think up some more of the compliments that had been given to me for my pleasure in the past. I made my retreat behind a very large palm that was in the corner of the room and out upon a wide balcony which hung over a moonlit garden across which I could see dim hills in the moonlight. Girls of all nations are granddaughters of the same Monsieur Satan, I suspect. I made remark to myself as I inhaled the perfume of the flowered garments of the spring garden below. I must take great care that I do not. And then, boy, you'll slip on the thin ice when you least expect it, came in the deep voice of the Gouverneur Faulkner from a shadow at my elbow. I sometimes think that they love us just to double-cross our life's ambitions. But don't you begin to suspect that for years to come. A man's life must be rooted in the heart of a woman if it would bear fruit, Monsieur le Gouverneur. I found myself saying, as in the person of the Roberta Marquise of Grey and B. I drew myself to my full height with a pride in defense of my own sex. A man doubts that to his own dishonor. Yes, but it must be a pure heart that nourishes a man to his full fruitage. And, boy, don't you take even a sip until you are sure there are such founts of refreshment. I would that you could look into my heart, my Gouverneur Faulkner, I said, as I raised my hand and laid it against the raven garment that covered my soft breast that was rent with pain at the sadness of his voice and his deep eyes. There you would see the heart of one... Suddenly I stopped in the deepest dismay, and the daredevil quaked in her trousers. I would probably see the heart of, shall I say, Galahad, Jr. God bless you, boy. You are refreshing. And he laughed as he laid his strong hands on my shoulder and gave to me a good shake. Are you my comrade, Launcelot? I asked him with a sudden fierce pain again in my breast under the raven coat at the thought of what that queen of the yellow hair had done to that brave knight of the round table of King Arthur. I don't think I'll answer your, your impertinence, boy. Just keep foxing with Sue and Belle and the rest of the posy girls and, and keep away from the pools of, of other eyes. And after another shaking, he turned me towards the door of that ballroom of lights and music. At the command of the Gouverneur Faulkner there was nothing I could do but go back to the ballroom and to float for more minutes in the land of cloud with the girl bunch, as my friend that buzz has named them. But at supper I took my seat at the table with that beautiful Madame Whitworth and her husband of the very drooping black moustache and eyes that looked at all places except into those of the person addressing him. And at that moment I made this resolve to myself. That Gouverneur Launcelot may ride far out of the white road, but I intend to run at his stirrup. And I found that it required swift running, for the road led, shall I say, into tall timbers. It is with a burning of countenance that arises from a hot shame, which I do not even to this moment exactly understand, that I recall to my mind that half-hour which Mr. Robert Carruthers of Grey and B., spent with the beautiful Madame Patricia Whitworth in one of the deep windows that looked from the private study of His Excellency of the State of Harpeth over into the great hills that surround the city. Things happened in this wise. 
that Madame Whitworth made the commencement of our duel of intelligences by assuming that I was a simple French infant before whom she could dangle the very sweet bonbon of affection and take away from it a treasure that it held in the hollow of its hand as a sacred trust that madame whitworth did not realize that instead of a very small young boy from gay paris whose eyes were closed like those of a very young cat she was dealing with a very wicked girl who placed the word devil behind the word dare speaking in the language of that mr willie st louis when he informed me that he was the man who had so placed the go behind chicago while on a visit to that city i was that girl End of chapter nine